I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Coffee part three edition. Ooh, coffee part three. So I'm very excited about this episode. We're going to talk about how coffee is decaffeinated. Nice. Dude, this is awesome. I've wondered this many times. Have you? Yeah, I've also looked into it briefly, but I cannot say anything I ever looked into made sense to me. (laughs) Well, hopefully it will make sense to you today. Okay, me too. I hope so too. Okay, so first off, one thing that I think is really cool about coffee decaffeination is that it is so chemistry. Mm, nice. And it just kind of reminded me how much chemistry makes things possible for us. Yeah. Like pregnant women or people who are sensitive to caffeine can still have coffee because of science. Yeah, totally. And caffeine does have negative effects. It technically is a toxin and it can kill people in high enough doses. Right. So the fact that we can create a drink that inherently is caffeinated without the caffeine is amazing to me. Yeah, definitely. So I'm very excited about this. I also, before I get started, want to shout out, uh, there's, I think it's just an individual man who has a background in chemistry who makes infographics. He's called Compound Chem. Nice. I think we've talked about him before, but he has a great infographic that really helped me process through the different types of decaffeination of coffee and his resources were also really helpful. Nice. So I want to shout out him. Very cool. And if this is the first time you're hearing about this and you're like coffee part three, that's because we have two other coffee episodes, Mm. which are pretty sweet. One's about brewing coffee. That was about roasting coffee. So they probably don't matter too, too much the order in this case. Yeah. But it'd be pretty fun to go listen to the other ones as well, either before or after this one. Right. Exactly. You said it was pretty sweet, but it's also kind of bitter (laughs) because it's coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. Okay. So here's what's difficult about decaffeinating coffee. Okay. If you want to use something like water to try to remove the caffeine, Mm -hmm. caffeine is soluble in water, which means the caffeine can dissolve in the water. Uh But so do all the other things that eventually will react when we roast the coffee bean to make good flavors. Right, right. So you're somehow trying to get out a molecule or several of the same type of molecule from this coffee bean, but leave behind all the things that are going to get good flavors later. And they're all basically Uh, made up of organic molecules, carbon compounds. Mm -hmm. So they have very similar solubilities. Right. So that makes things difficult. Yeah. Dang. How do you remove just what you want out of something? Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. One type, one class of molecule. Yeah. And so this is also, I think, the basic chemistry lesson that I want you to learn about today mm-hmm. is that solubility can vary by different molecules and different solvents. So caffeine actually is most soluble in some organic solvents. There's like one called dichloromethane, and then it's somewhat soluble in another one called ethyl acetate, and it's less soluble than those two in water. Mm -hmm. But if you had something else like salt, it's very soluble in water and salt doesn't really dissolve in something nonpolar like oil. Mm. Okay. So different substances have different solubilities in different things. Yeah. And so that kind of is the basis for where chemists would have to come from is, can we find a solvent that can dissolve the caffeine and is Caffeine has a high solubility in that solvent, but the other things don't. Yeah, right. 
So it's kind of difficult. Yeah. And what causes something to be soluble or to be able to dissolve is intermolecular forces. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about those several times before. So if you haven't listened to that, go back. I think the very first one we talked about was in the gecko episode, how to get yeah. those climb walls. Right, right, right. So go back and check that out. But if a solvent has similar polarity to a solute, which is the thing that's getting dissolved, right? then it more easily can take that away. We talk about like dissolves like. Mm-hmm. But if it has really different polarity or once completely nonpolar, the other thing's very polar, it won't work as well. Okay. Okay. So solubility is the key here. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at something that is very, caffeine is very soluble in and it won't touch any of those other pre-tasty flavor molecules. Uh-huh. Because we're doing this usually in the green coffee bean. Right. One of the best is using carbon dioxide. Oh, interesting. So normally we know of carbon dioxide as a gas. Mm-hmm. But, or you maybe know it as dry ice when it's really, really cold, it's solid. Right, right. So you see carbon dioxide as gas and carbon dioxide as solid, but we don't normally see carbon dioxide as liquid. Right. It's difficult to get carbon dioxide into liquid in our natural environment. Mm. So there's a way that you can make it into a liquid on purpose. Okay. This sounds sneaky. (laughs) It's kind of sneaky. So think about (laughs) what we've learned about gases, solids, and liquids. Uh Solids have molecules close together with very little movement. Mm -hmm. As they start to spread out and overcome their intermolecular forces, they become liquid Mm -hmm. when they get to enough energy. And then if you keep putting energy into it, they'll spread out so much that they become gas. Yeah, right, right. So if you can take carbon dioxide gas and put a lot of pressure on it, you will force the molecules to come close together. Uh, But as long as it's not too cold, it won't freeze. Got it, got it. So under a high enough pressure, you can essentially get liquid carbon dioxide. Wow, that's crazy. Yes, So that's another chemistry lesson for you. So there's kind of the one about solubility and then how you can think about molecules turning from solid liquid to gas. And carbon dioxide is kind of crazy. Like we've talked about in episodes a while ago now, like dissolving carbon dioxide gas into water to make like carbonated water. Right. Which is, that's already kind of weird and crazy, at least to me. Yes. And the fact that it also so strongly resists (laughs) being in liquid form. Yeah. Is kind of nuts. Yeah. And it there's a thing called a phase diagram where you can look at the different pressures and temperatures to try and something will be in solid liquid or gas phase under specific temperatures and pressures. And I think carbon dioxide looks different than a lot of others. Mm. Although I haven't looked at that since I was in Gen Chem a long time ago. Yeah. But I seem to remember that. And I remember water's also being kind of weird because water expands. Oh, I yeah. Think. Anyway, that's just chemistry off the cuff. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember all of that very well. Don't hold me to that. <laughs> if you're a high school chemistry teacher, I'm sorry for what I've forgotten. <laughs> okay, so at high pressures, but not low enough temperatures to freeze, we have this liquid CO2. Okay. And that liquid carbon dioxide, liquid CO2, has a selectivity for caffeine over the other molecules. Okay. So you can use that to get out caffeine and none of the other flavors. They basically just... I think they sort of like pump it through is Mm -hmm. how I imagine it. Um, The green coffee and it comes out with caffeine in the liquid. Mm -hmm. 
and they can filter out or remove that caffeine from the CO2 and then they can run it through again. Got it. Got it. So it's a really good option if you have the money to get the high pressure set up. Right. Which that's the hard part. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's also what they do to extract lavender oil. We briefly talked about that. Oh, yeah. When we did the lavender extract episode. And I think they do that for CBD oil as well. Okay. Because I think, I guess CO2 has a good selectivity for specific molecules. Yeah. Interesting. But I don't know everything about that. That's like, I'd love to be able to tour a plant where they do decaffeination or oil extraction and ask questions about how the CO2 selects that molecule only, like why it has a higher selectivity for that thing. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting to me. Interesting. That's crazy. So I have a question that's starting to form my mind based out of my like coffee knowledge mm-hmm. that is not scientific knowledge, but just knowing that almost all the decaf coffee that I buy and then roast yes, has been decaffeinated through a process called Swiss water process. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about that. Okay, cool, cool. I've always wondered, like, what the heck. But also, I know just from the coffee side that that is one of the more highly coveted ones to choose. Yes. Because of a few reasons, um, especially that it takes out a lot of the, the caffeine, more than some other processes. Yeah, so I didn't talk about the percentage of caffeine that comes out. Okay, okay. But I just want to talk about the ideas of what's happening with the molecules. Okay. But I will say Swift, Swiss water decaffeination was my favorite one okay. of the ones I read about, and you'll hear about why. Cool, cool. I mean, I think CO2 would be really good. Yeah. Except for the fact that it's expensive to set up, but Swiss water decaffeination, I think you could even do on your own. Wow, interesting. Decaf coffee already costs a little bit more because it's gone through another process more than other Mm -hmm. coffee. So I feel like that CO2 process might have to cost us consumers a lot more. Yeah. If it was like more readily available. (laughs) Yeah, I could definitely see that costing more because they have to pay for the startup costs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here are the other approaches, and they are all kind of a mixture of using water and what is known as quote-unquote solvent. Okay. I think solvent is a dumb name for this because water is also a solvent. Anything Uh is a solvent that dissolves things. Even the CO2 is a solvent. Mm, So as a chemist, I think that's a misuse of language. I see, I see. I would call these organic solvents. They're carbon-based solvents. Okay. So you're using a mixture of water and carbon-based solvents of of different kinds. Okay. Okay, so there's sort of three main uses of these these things that I would say. One is direct solvent extraction. Another is indirect solvent extraction. And then the last one that we're going to talk about is Swiss water decaffeination. Okay. So extraction is a proper word actually here because we are extracting something from the solid using a liquid. Okay. And we talked extensively about extraction in the very first episode we did on brewing coffee. Right. Right. So we are extracting something out of them in direct solvent or which I would call organic solvent Mm -hmm. extraction. You use some kind of non-water solvent like dichloromethane or ethyl acetate. They have higher solubilities for caffeine than water. So you would be able to get more caffeine and less of the flavor molecules out. Okay. So it's similar to the CO2, but it's not ideal because you don't really want to soak your caffeine in organic solvents. Organic solvents aren't safe for consumption by humans. Right, right. 
So it's not great. They do take a few steps before soaking to make sure that the caffeine is available as possible. And then afterwards, they steam and heat the beans, not to roasting temperature, but enough to try to get all these organic solvents boiled off. And organic solvents do boil off at pretty low temperatures. So I would expect there's not a ton of solvent left over. Yeah. And in fact, it's regulated by the FDA. Okay. And anything that is left, I think, would be gone with the roast anyway. Right, right. So it'd there's be much higher than the than the temperatures that they yes. usually boil off at. Yeah. So right. I would expect there's not a lot of it, but it still gave me a little like feeling because yeah. <laughs> as an organic chemist, I would never have a container that I used with dichloromethane or azelastate and then drink out of it or something. Even right. if I cleaned it, I would just feel like cross contamination fears. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't love that method. Especially. Oh, go ahead. Especially knowing that, I mean, we haven't got to them yet, but there's other options. Like, yes, if it sounds like you have this option, it's not ideal and make sure that that part of your brain, the safety part of your chemist brain go, Ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah. And then, you know, there's options that don't have the same problem. It seems Why would like, I do that? Yeah. 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 And the other thing is organic solvents are not cheap to make. They're mm -hmm. not cheap to use up. And then if you're evaporating them off, they're going into the environment and there's chlorine in them, which is contributing to what we talked about on the ozone layer episode. Yeah. Chlorine can easily make radicals in the air. So using organic solvent when you could do anything else yeah. <laughs> is not ideal. Right, right. I see how it's valuable because you're not really extracting a lot of the flavor molecules but I would not use, I wouldn't like this. This is my lowest pick. Yeah. And this one's called, this is the one that's called direct? Direct solvent because you're putting the beans directly in organic solvents. Okay. Got it. So the next one, the indirect solvent, I think is better, but still not great. Okay. Um, because you're still using organic solvents. Okay. But you soak the beans actually in water. Okay. And that water gets out some of the flavor molecules, but also some of the caffeine. Okay. And then you can do what's known as a solvent-solvent or liquid-liquid extraction. So then you take that water with the caffeine and you mix it with the organic solvents and that uh -huh. will take the caffeine out of the water layer, uh -huh. bring it into the organic layer and leave the flavor compounds that aren't as soluble in the organic solvents behind. Okay. And then they spray that water back onto the beans, hoping they'll absorb the flavor back. I've heard of this one. I did not know what it was called. But I basically, in sort of this, in the coffee world, heard about a process where you basically take a lot of stuff out. Yep. Like that. Then then remove the caffeine. Mm -hmm. And then try to put the stuff sort of back in. Like the yes. good tasting flavor stuff. So that's what this one is. Yes. And I have questions about how you could actually put the good tasting stuff back in. Yeah. That that puzzled me too. In fact, I thought it was not true when I heard about this. No, it's true. <laughs> it would seem like the kind of thing that whenever non-scientists talk about it and they're like, I heard this. You're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. But well, and I, I did mention it, you know? this episode to a friend and she said, is that why all decaf coffee tastes so bad? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that it tastes bad. Yeah. I've never even had decaf coffee that I'm aware of. So yeah, could be. I have some, when we do jams coffee corner, I have some decaf experiences I'll share about Okay. at the end, just with my, my perspective on the flavor differences and stuff. Right. But yeah. we can get there later. Well, so, and this one actually is very common for students to do in a lab. Mm -hmm. So my students do one with tea. They brew up black tea and then they do a solvent, solvent, liquid, liquid extraction where they use organic solvents to take the caffeine out of uh -huh. the tea, 
then they boil off the solvent and then they've just isolated caffeine from tea. And then they like can even test the purity of it in the lab and prove that they've taken only caffeine. Out. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It's very cool. Yeah. But I wouldn't drink the tea that was left over. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm Again, though, I know that they are regulated by the FDA. I know that there's not a lot of solvents left, but my science brain thinks still the water that's going back into. Yeah. <laughs> The flavor has organic molecules in it and I know or organic solvents and I know they get they get boiled off. Logically, I know it doesn't make sense, but we don't take glassware and then clean it and then use it at home. Yeah. You know, you just don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just makes me feel. Ugh, but I know that's a little bit illogical. Right. Right. But I just wanted to share my Ugh, vibes. Yeah. But also share that I know that that's not 100 percent logical. Yeah. Yeah. But so those two are different types of just solvent extractions. And mm -hmm. then there's one that uses purely water. And so these are all kind of doing a similar thing where they're taking out the caffeine. And then if they also are taking out other flavor compounds, they put it back. Uh -huh. But I like Swiss water decaffeination because it makes so much sense and it's cool and creative and like the chemistry of it is beautiful. Nice. Okay, so when you have solvents, only a certain amount of things can go into them before it's saturated. Okay. So you've probably experienced this with if you had, if you ever made rock candy mm. and you dissolve sugar in it and you heat it up and heat it up and dissolve sugar until nothing else goes in there anymore. Uh -huh. That's a saturated solution. Actually, if you heat it up, it's super saturated. Uh -huh. So there's no other sugar can go in there anymore. Right, right. So in Swiss water decaffeination, they soak beans in water and flavor molecules come out and caffeine comes out. Okay. And they take that water that has flavor molecules, but they filter it to get out the caffeine and they use a carbon filter. And I'm not sure why it would only take out the caffeine. Uh -huh. I have questions about that too. I don't know if it's treated for something specifically. Mm -hmm. I guess that would be the part that would be hard for you to do yeah. at home. Didn't think about that. So you're filtering out the caffeine, mm -hmm. but then all the flavor molecules are still in there. Okay. So then you take that water that has no caffeine and you put fresh beans in there. Ah. And those beans aren't going to lose any flavor molecules because most of that flavor molecule has already been saturated. Right. But it's not saturated with caffeine. So the caffeine will selectively leak out. Ah, that is very smart. So smart and so creative. Yeah. And then you're losing caffeine without losing any flavor. Because yeah. the flavor molecules, I think it would be... I have some questions about why caffeine selectively leaks out, but I think it might be something along the lines of osmosis where, because it's not a fully saturated solution if more stuff can come out of it, but only the caffeine comes out, which right. I think must mean that it's trying to balance the amount of each thing on either side. Uh -huh. That would be my guess. I think that's a little bit more biology, yeah. but it does make sense to me that there's space in the water for more things to come out. Yeah. And caffeine is the thing that's coming out. Right, right. Because we've removed the caffeine. Yeah. And then they can just do that over and over. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But I think one batch of beans does just kind of... Yeah, get lost. Yeah, get yeah. lost in that. But also I think I would be curious if a little bit of the flavor molecules do come out each time until there's less and less space for the caffeine. Like, I wonder how many times they can reuse water. Right, right. I'd love to ask someone who does this for their job. Yeah. So that's Swiss water decaffeination. And there is a version of that 
where they don't waste that first batch of beans and they spray the water back on as well. Uh huh. So, but I think that is so cool and so smart. It is really cool and very smart. And it seems just like hard enough that I might not try it because I don't know the carbon filter thing. Yeah. The carbon filter, that would be the thing that I don't know about, but if you could get a car, a carbon filter that selectively filters out caffeine, Mm -hmm. you should be able to do this at home. I would think. Yeah. I mean, I would try it once if I, if I could, because it'd be fun. But also how would you know if it's decaf or not? You would need to be able to test. Yeah, that's true. So that makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah. They have way, probably way better like data about yeah. all that stuff. So I could, ways to measure I could it. come do a solvent solvent extraction for you and try to isolate the caffeine in a, in a batch that you made yeah. with the filter and without and see, and, and that'd quick, be fun. <laughs> and quickly it would get to where it's like, oh, I could have just bought some already decaffeinated yeah. coffee. <laughs> you know? But it is, that's cool to think about. I think this is so creative. I think that. That would be the option I would choose mm-hmm. as a chemist. It seems the most environmentally friendly. Yeah. It seems the most, um, you said the most effective for removing caffeine, right? Yeah. So at least the information I have is that that removes like 99% of caffeine. And I could see that happening at a pretty low cost yeah. as opposed to the CO2 option. Right. Right. So very cool. So that's my favorite one. Yeah. That's cool. So I thought that this was a very cool lesson because you have solubility. We're learning about how you manipulate molecules to go from a gas to a liquid Mm -hmm. and extraction on all of these decaffeinations. These are all extractions. So extractions are coming back. And so, yeah, that's all the science of decaffeinating coffee. And I'm sure there's a lot I missed. It was hard to do all this without yeah. <laughs> without going into the weeds. I just wanted to give a brief overview that essentially you're doing something to remove the caffeine from the green coffee beans. Yeah. And either you have to find a way to only take out the caffeine or try to put the flavor compounds back. Yeah. That's interesting. And I feel like what's, what's probably cool for a lot of people to hear too is that I've talked to people who, I think there's, there's definitely people who know sort of what, part of the process decaffeination happens yeah for a lot of people that that don't know and it makes sense because they've never really needed to yeah i don't need to know i never knew this until i started researching it there's people who know i roast coffee and they ask me if i decaffeinate it and i'm like one that's so complicated and hard and (laughs) i definitely don't and then they'll sometimes ask it in a way where i think they i think they aren't sure if i do it like after i brew it or after i yeah. Grind it or, you know what I mean? Like, or after I roast it, all that kind of stuff for there. Yeah. But it makes sense. It's not super intuitive to think when is the right time to take yeah. out the caffeine. Well, and I do think part of why they do it in the earlier stages is because if they're using the solvent extraction, mm-hmm. then you're more easily able to make sure it's safe later on. Yeah. But also, I would think that you're messing with less of the flavor molecules because they haven't reacted yet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That makes sense. So that would be my thoughts. I don't know for sure though. And then I'm not a coffee expert. And coffee snobs like me are like, well, I want the roasting and the drinking to be really close together. Yeah. But I don't want things to happen between there because I want the freshest. Yeah. Once I roast it, I try to drink it within like a week or two. So if I had to decaffeinate after that, that would be complicated. Yeah. It would take away from the time between the two. Yeah. This is very interesting. I'm glad. I'm glad you think it's interesting. A few people have asked me about it or got really excited when they (laughs) learned we were doing this episode. So shout out to Adriana, Vienna. They were all really excited. And two of our friends that I'm going to try to make listen to this who are only decaf, they only drink decaf coffee, 
our friend Ryan and our friend Kevin. So I'm going to try to force them to listen to this, even though they might already know some of this stuff, but yeah. you know, Hey, whatever. Well, Kevin is a chemist, right? Yep. So Kevin's I think he'll really be interested. Yeah. And he might know a lot of this already, but you know, whatever. He knows a lot. He's a smart person. Yeah. One of those people who just has a lot of information and understands a lot of things. And research is beyond what most people would research Yes. before they make a decision. So he's one of my decaf coffee customers. And oh. he did all his research and he was like, hey, I'll buy the decaf from you if you can get this specific kind, like this water process. And I was like, hey, that's great. That's the kind I already know and like. And I wonder if he knew it was the most violently friendly and had the least exposure to possibly bad things. Yeah, maybe so. Wow. Because so. he, he worked in a research lab with me for a while. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he knows all about solvents and how gross they are. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that I have basically three friends? who I see at least like once every week or every other week that are chemists, you, Kevin, <laughs> and then our friend Caperton. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. You've got a lot of chemists influencing you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's no wonder that I think you guys probably were just working on me for a while. Yeah. To come around to chemistry. <laughs> Slowly you know? convincing you that chemistry is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say a chance. I mean, three against one, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is interesting. I guess I didn't think about how many chemists are in our friend group. Yeah. Well, you're welcome, Jam. <laughs> Do you want to take a stab at being a chemist yourself and kind of telling back the chemistry lessons that you learned from that? Yes. Yes. I'll try my best. We, that was a lot of chemistry. I know. It was hard to, I was about to say boil this down, which is kind of <laughs> ironic, but it was hard to narrow it down to one main lesson the way that we are sometimes able to, because there's so much chemistry and so many different ways that you can approach it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, okay. Basically, it seems like you said four different ways. The first being the CO2 one, mm -hmm. where basically, if we could, there's a lot of things that would be unideal about this, like cost and stuff like that. But if we could get liquid CO2 yes, and have that be what sort of runs through the beans or have them soak in it or something like that, right? it is really good at dissolving the caffeine yes, without necessarily dissolving a significant amount of the flavor different all the all those different kinds of molecules which are many yeah. in coffee beans that we want to stay yes and so that would be a good option except that it's not super cheap right and but on, on the chemistry side seems like it would work great yeah and probably does happen somewhere oh i'm sure yeah and then you you lumped the other three into one category um, the direct, indirect, and what was the third? Swiss water. And Swiss water. Okay. Yeah. Because they're all using some kind of solvent mixture to extract. Right. And using water with other solvents too, mm -hmm. and not anything like CO2, like not that kind of. Yeah. They're all liquid at room temperature. So that's why I put them all together in my mind. Perfect. Perfect. That's Makes a chemist sense. grouping for you. Yeah. We're in all of these, we're soaking beans in liquid and getting the caffeine out. So that's the same to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that <laughs> but makes they sense. do have variations. Yeah. And it makes sense because I feel like these are ones that probably a lot of people have experienced or had like coffee from one of these three. Yeah. But I could see almost none of us maybe having encountered the CO2 right. decaf coffee. Right. Um, at least I would think I would I think the price tag itself would, would raise my eyebrows. It is interesting that they use that for other extractions like lavender oil and CBD. Yeah. I've read about that for sure. So right. I know that is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just don't have a lot of details on it. Right. 
So if there's somebody who listens to our show who uses CO2 extraction, please invite me to your factory or wherever it happens. I really want to see it. And can I come too? Yeah. Jam too. Um, We're a package deal. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So those other three, the direct and direct and Swiss water. Mm-hmm. Starting with the direct one. The reason you called it direct is because the different solvents you're using are having direct contact with the coffee beans. Right. Organic solvents specifically. Yeah. Organic solvents. Not water. Right. They're soaking in organic solvent. Okay. And the organic solvent is on the chemical level, something that we would not want to ingest. Right. It would not be safe for us right. to ingest. Mm-hmm. But it is good at taking out a, in this case, doesn't it take out a lot of stuff, including the flavor compounds? No, it, just the, the sol- organic solvent itself okay. takes out, it has a high selectivity for caffeine. Got it, got similar it. Okay. to CO2. Yeah. Okay. So that's the upside of it, I guess. Right. Is that it's really good at taking out just caffeine. Yes. Leaving the flavor stuff behind. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the downside. So once that's done and you've already taken out the caffeine, then the problem is how do we make this safer? humans to yes. drink it. And so they have to boil off those organic solvents and hope that m- most of the traces of it are gone. Yes. And then they send it to us and hopefully also it gets removed in roasting. But in general... And it's also tested by the FDA to make right. sure levels are really low. It's hard for me to imagine very much would survive all of that heat. Yeah. But it's still just, you know, chemistry safety brain makes me feel like, Ugh. but yeah. I know that's kind of illogical. Yeah. I don't want to be a fear monger. It just totally. is like my brain thinks I don't eat things that have touched things that solvent has touched. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just feels wrong yeah. to some degree. So what do you know off the top of your head? Like what things would even make up that organic solvent? Or did you say that to me already? I did mention it. It's, it's the two primary ones are methylene chloride and ethyl acetate and methylene chloride is also called dichloromethane. Mm-hmm. Ethyl acetate is used in actually nail polish, I think. Okay. So it, and it evaporates really easily. That's why it's good at nail polish. You paint yeah. it on and it evaporates and leaves just the polymer behind. Nice. So it does evaporate very easily. All these evaporate very easily. It's not like water. If you spill these on the cabinet at work. Yeah. I No, people don't do this at work. When yeah. I would work in the lab and I would spill it on the desktop or bench top with a little bit of solvent, it would evaporate so quickly. Okay, gotcha. So it really would not survive long yeah. <laughs> on those beans. It evaporates at room temperature within seconds a lot of times unless you do just a ton of it. Got it. So it's really very quick to evaporate. Okay. So it's... I can see how they do keep the levels low. It's just a mental block for me. Yeah, totally. And we've got other options to yeah. talk about too. So yes. then the indirect is the idea of just soaking them in water, mm-hmm. right? Which takes everything out. Yes. Takes the caffeine molecules and the flavor molecules we all want and we want to keep. Yes. And it's indirect because then they take that water, separate it, right? From the beans. They, yeah, they take the water by itself yeah. away from the beans. And then they in- introduce some organic solvents to it. Yes, because they have a high selectivity for caffeine. And so they just got the water, they add stuff to it, takes the caffeine away, and then they take the water that's now just left with the flavor molecules in it. Right. 
and they spray it back on to the beans. Yeah, I think they maybe try to reduce it or evaporate a lot of the water. Yeah. But it's still, I think that would be, it's difficult for me to imagine the beans would fully take that back in. Right, right. Yeah. And then they send that to us and we have mm-hmm. potentially some, maybe it does have has a lot of the caffeine removed, but might taste a lot less good. Yeah, might. But, but they also don't directly touch the solvent, uh-huh. but the water with the flavors that's put back into it did touch the solvent. Right, right. So again, and organic solvents just aren't ideal to be using because they're not good for the environment. Yeah. Both in the production and in the evaporation of them. So yeah. I have a lot of beef with that. Okay. It. So both of those, well, that one's maybe slightly more safe, but not super. I would say they're both equivalently safe, but not something that I really am going to be like, yeah, let's yeah. do this. Okay. Yeah. Then we have Swiss water process, which mm-hmm. is very smart. Yes, this one's my favorite. And they soak the beans in water first, right? Yes. It removes everything, just like the beginning of the indirect yes. uh, process. Mm-hmm. And then they filter that water Yes. through some sort of carbon filter. That removes caffeine selectively. Okay, removes caffeine selectively. And then that first batch of beans was kind of just to get us to that point, to get us yes. with this liquid, this water. This flavor water. Flavor water <laughs> that only has the flavor molecules in it. No caffeine. And no caffeine. And then they put a new batch of coffee beans into it. And now they're in this water that has space for, sort of, a space yes. for just the caffeine Yes. to come out of the beans but because it's already full of all this, these flavor molecules, yes, it kind of doesn't take the flavor molecules out of Correct. the coffee beans quite as much. Yes. I would suspect there might be a little bit, but not a significant loss. Uh-huh. But I would love to talk to someone and ask them how many times they can reuse that flavor water. I would love to know. Here's an analogy that just came to my mind. Oh, yes. I love jam analogies. That may or may not work fully. Okay. So... This is more specifically just for the Swiss water process. It'd be very hard to come up with an analogy that works for all of these. Yeah. So imagine that first batch where you put the coffee beans in and you're just trying to get the water that has the uh, flavor molecules in it. Right. But no caffeine mm-hmm. in it. That'd be almost like, so you have like a, a car or like a 12 passenger van or something like that. Right. And at the beginning, it's got seats for everybody. Yes. And you're trying to create a situation where it has seats for just the caffeine. Yep. You do. You just want to add some caffeine into riding this van. <laughs> I'm just imagining <laughs> flavor, like molecules that are supposed to be flavor molecules, like buckled in, like yeah. from a modeling kit. <laughs> yeah. So the first That's batch hilarious. just fills the van up. Mm-hmm. And then we run it the carbon filter and it takes just the caffeine out. Yes. And so now we have... Just a van full of flavor molecules mm-hmm. with a couple seats that were occupied by the caffeine. Right. But they already got off at the previous stop. Yes. So here's the way I could think about this that may or may not make sense. What if basically you could put in some car seats like mm-hmm. for kids so that only caffeine fits in there yep. mm-hmm. or only kids. Mm-hmm. So when you pull up and you've got a 12 passenger van, but the only seats that are available are the car seats. Mm-hmm. And sorry, all the other people who want to get on the van can't, only kids can. Yes. 
because those seats are there. They're installed there and the yes. other seats are all full. Yeah. And so we put beans, um, we put this unique type of water that is full of flavor compounds and uh, molecules, has a little bit of room though, but just doesn't have any caffeine. Yeah. In it. And then the caffeine's like, sweet, let's go. Yes. And all the flavor molecules are like, man, it's already full. Yes, that's a perfect analogy. And then there we go. We took just the caffeine out and left a lot of the flavor molecules in the beans. I love it. That work kind of? That does work. I really like that analogy. That's a really good one. I'm guessing some of the like dissolving stuff isn't quite as like hard and fast as like seats on a van. Right. But no, that's a really good way to imagine it. Yeah, that's awesome. And for the other ones, it's like they had the van with everything filled up. Yeah. And they drop off the caffeine and then they go back to the beans and drop the flavor molecules back yeah, off. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. There we go. Love that analogy. Wow, you did it. The only thing that wouldn't really be able to be introduced into that analogy would be the ones that talk about the organic solvents because I don't really know a way that you could factor that into the van analogy. Where the it's like, organic solvents only have seats for caffeine from the get-go. But also, how, how could you add in the like dangerous part or like the... Oh, you know <laughs> yeah. Like, how about in that case, the van is not safe. Environment. It... It yeah. just has bad carbon emissions. The van is out of date for its carbon emissions, so it's bad for the environment. Yeah. So in that case, you're kind of like, wouldn't we all be better off by leaving this van? Yeah. We'll use a different where, van. A yeah. van that has seats for everybody. Yeah. And has more up-to-date emissions yeah. stuff mm-hmm. or whatever. And in the solvent water extraction, what they do is drop off the caffeine molecules into the bad emissions van. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then... The good van goes and backs and drops off the water. Yeah. The flavor molecules back at the <laughs> at the coffee beans. <laughs> we did it. The only one is CO2, which is kind of like an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. CO2 is an airplane that only has room for caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it costs more. Yeah. Expensive. Yeah. You're like, you don't want to ride in the Greyhound or the van or whatever, or do I want to take the airplane? And it's like, that was good. Most of us are going to take the van. Yeah. So. Most of us are going to road trip it. Yeah. That was hilarious that was so good i wish we'd thought about that earlier on oh that was awesome well this episode's already a little bit long so normally we do a happy thing from our week or i really want to hear your coffee corner your decaf stuff Uh but let's go ahead and wrap it up okay and then um for our q and r this gives more exciting things to look forward to in jam's coffee corner during the q and r and you can hear about our weeks and everything good yes absolutely and it makes sense because they're like sort of four different chemistry lessons in this one episode. Yes. A lot of chemistry for your life today. Yeah. yeah almost no way to make it shorter. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, thanks Jim for being coming up with that awesome analogy and being excited to learn about decaffeinating coffee. Dude pulled it, pulled it out last second. You yeah. Know? I almost didn't have anything, but that was really good. And thanks to all of you listeners for coming and listening and learning about coffee and being so hype about this series. That's been really fun to see. Yeah, it really has. And we really appreciate you guys when y'all send in your questions or ideas or thoughts mm-hmm. or whatever. So if you have those, please don't hesitate to send them in. You can send those to us on Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Chem for Your Life. That's Chem, F-O-R, Your Life, to share your thoughts and ideas with us. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the costs of making it, go to ko-fi.com slash chemforyourlife and donate the cost of a cup of coffee. If you're not able to donate, you can still help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. 
References for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jeremy Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to S. Navarro and V. Garza, who reviewed this episode.